You guys quieted down fast. <laughs> All right. It is a great day to worship. We're so grateful to see you guys last, uh, last week at Easter and then this week again. We have really thoroughly enjoyed the last two weeks with the uh, special music and uh, just changing up how we do things. So we would encourage you to worship with us this morning as we sing The Lion and the Lamb.
celebrated your resurrection last week, but it's not just last week that you are alive. You are alive. It's because of that, Father, that we are grateful. We will praise you, and we anticipate you as you fulfill yet another promise to your people, and that is to come again for them. Thank you, Lord, for that promise. Would you bless Pastor Scott as he opens your word this morning? Give us ears to hear. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Welcome this morning to Cross Point Baptist Church. As we take this time to get ready, I um, want to welcome those that are watching by Facebook tonight. I've got a couple messages saying there's no sound, so I think Brad is back there kicking the kicking the Facebook machine to make sure that those that are watching from Fort Myers and around the globe are able to um, join with us. We're going to be interrupted in just a moment. It's going to be my son bringing me my glasses that I left on my desk, right on cue. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. He's good for something. That's love. That was love. 
You know, our church, we uh, had a glorious day last Sunday, Resurrecting Sunday, no secret. It was a mountaintop experience for me personally. Hopefully it was for you as well. And um, we, what we try to do here in, as a church and even as leadership is you don't want to just create momentums, right? We, God wants a, a pure church, not a big church. He wants a holy church, not a trendy church. Coming off of the high from last week, for me personally, I think for our church body as well, we've had extreme uh, excitement when we get to really focus in just on the resurrection. How do you lose? There's no downside to that thing. The resurrection is, a, it is our life. We know this. Uh, Jesus said it himself, actually, in John 11. But this week, I should say last week, Monday through Saturday of last week, we had a lot of, um, of we would call, heartaches within our church body. I've officiated a funeral. That can be a heartache. Even though the deceased was a believer, that means precious in the eyes of the Lord or the death of the saints. What's heartbreak to us is, can be precious. And a lot of illness and, 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 and just life happening. So I, I, just, I wasn't sure where exactly we needed to go into Scripture this morning um, until about midday yesterday. And I, I decided to do this topic because I think it's applicable right now. Life doesn't happen on the mountaintops, and life doesn't only happen in the valleys. Life just happens. It's called life. And, and we, we take our, our arms together. We're, we're in a big old family hug today, if you're a believer and a member of Cross Point Baptist Church. I want to... Um, share with you that the topic is why should Christians suffer or have heartache or have hardships? And I, I want to answer this question just biblically, just straight what the Bible says. Very matter-of-factly because the Bible it, at times is very much like that. There is... Um, you, as a church body, you, you don't know everything. You can't know everything. Because there's, there's, there's just so many moving parts. But this has been a, a hard week on our, our membership, on our, just with sicknesses and, and different family issues. So I think it's very timely this morning that we um, are reminded that things happen in our life and you're not forgot about. Things happen in your life. And, 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 and you think, I, I quit, I'm done. If this is what it is, I'm out. Or things happen in our life that we'll say, that's not fair. If you've raised children, you've heard that more than once, haven't you? And yet we use that very line to our Heavenly Father, don't we? If the Christian life is full of joy, and it is, why don't we always experience it? The Christian life provides stability. How come I feel like I'm on quicksand? If the, the believer's life is filled or, 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 or uh, preferenced by extreme love, why is there so much hate? 
And we could go on setting up scenarios all, all morning long. The question, though, I want us to think about, and then we'll start turning in our Bibles this morning, is why do Christians suffer? That, that's a word. I, I kind of want to find a different word than suffer for that. But I think it's the proper word. There's hardships that happen, and to act like they don't would be disingenuous to our God and also to life. Here's the first reason I want to share with you. Things happen in our life, the believer's life, to test the integrity, the integrity of our faith. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 17. I'm going to turn to two verses right out of the gate, and then I'll be quiet as I listen to the pages turning. Proverbs 17, verse 3. And then 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. Whether you have your Bible or using your electronic device, the Spencer will do his best to keep up as well. As we consider Proverbs 17.3 here in just a moment, trials cause the believer to take a spiritual inventory of your faith. When, uh, when I was growing up, and if you opened the refrigerator door and you, you sat there too long, right? God, you leave the, the, the refrigerator door open. My dad would say, what are you doing, taking inventory? Get in and get out, right? Get what you did. Wasting all that electric or whatever grumpy old fathers say all the time. But we seldom, we'll take inventory of different things in our life. Make the grocery list. What do we don't? We just take an inventory. What do we need this week? What do we need to eat? We look at our finances. We're taking inventory. How often do you and I genuinely reflect back on taking inventory of our spiritual life? How about just an inventory of our emotional life? We have been conditioned to just keep moving through life. Trials will cause us to take a spiritual inventory of our faith as well. Those who become bitter or self, have self-pity, you're really exposing weak faith. Now, you know who usually says that? Pastors. Those that, that aren't in the middle of that, what you're going through, uh, of, of an illness or of a, uh, a departed loved one. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3. Now listen, this is very matter-of-factly. Just consider the scripture today. Consider the scripture and invite the Holy Spirit is what I want you to do this morning. Proverbs 17, verse 3 says, The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. All right, now let's, let's look at that verse and really understand what's being written here. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. What does it take to expose the impurities in silver and gold. You know what it takes? Heat. It takes heat. It, it, it takes that heat to, to boil out or to bring out. No, I don't, I'm not in the jeweler business. I know a guy who is. I don't even know how all that works. But I've been told that that's how it works. And here's the scripture saying the same thing. It takes that heat 
to bring out the impurity and to expose the pure. And the verse goes on, though, to say, but the Lord tests the hearts. Who tests the hearts? Not the world doesn't test the hearts because they're not the perfect calibrated instrument to know your heart. The most, the perfect calibrated instrument or person to know your heart is our God who sees everything perfectly. Knows our thoughts, knows our hearts. The problem is we don't know our hearts. So when he exposes these things to ourselves, we're able to adjust. But the Lord tests the hearts. Now, you can keep your finger there in Proverbs, but I really want you to look in 1 Peter by keeping the Proverbs text in mind. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. If you're new to Scripture, 1 Peter is toward the back of the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 1, 6 and 7. You know, a lot of times when this topic comes up, people will say, well, that's, yep, that's pastor doing his thing. He hasn't gone through much. He hasn't gone through hardships and, and heartaches like I have. Well, that's true. That, that is very true. That I haven't gone through some of these intense um, suffering like um, our own church members have. That doesn't mean I can't teach and learn and share the truth of God's word. First Peter chapter 1, 6 and 7. Now remember, what are we talking about? Silver and gold being refined, bringing out the impurities, exposing the purity, making it pure. And right on, before he starts in verse 6, he says, in this, in this you greatly rejoice. In what? Well, I, I won't go back to verse 3, 4, and 5 because get all wound up and start preaching with excitement because it's talking about our salvation that is reserved for you in heaven. So that's what the context is. He's saying, do rejoice in that. There's a reason for us to come to Cross Point Baptist Church today with an excitement and with an expectation. Now, if you knew that I was going to preach on this topic, would you came in here with excitement and expectation? Probably not. You may have came in kind of like, oh boy. It's just kind of maybe dragging in. But there's always an excitement and an expectation because we've already lifted up the cross this morning. We've already lifted up the resurrection. That is our extreme excitement. No matter what comes our way, we have life. The believer. And the expectation is the truth of God's word. Greatly rejoice, he's saying. Go for it. Verse 6, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. En en enjoy the excitement of your walk. And he's not saying trials are coming. You're a believer now, so it's, you're going to have hard times in your life. I don't think the Bible's setting us up for that. It's warning us that life is going to bring things your way. But I'm always going to be here. I'm always going to be there. I'm always going to be ahead, behind, and with. For what reason? Look at the end of verse 6. You have been grieved by various trials. You were going through some things, but these various trials for the purpose of what? Here it is, verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith, comma. Let me pause there for a moment. There it is. Why do we go through things? Heartbreaking 
life struggles or life issues. He just gave it to you in verse 7. Now, this is nuts and bolts today. This is just, somebody needs to grab a hold of this today, that the genuineness of your faith. Which would you rather have? A picture-perfect life and no faith or genuine faith and a choppy life? Which would you rather have? You may think, oh, that's, I don't like how you, do I have to answer that out loud? We have bought into this notion that absence of problems means I'm happy. Absence of problems means that God is good to me. We bought into a lie there. Very much a lie. We can read numerous people of the Bible. Job stands out as the, the, the highest example of our life. Verse 7, he says, that the genuineness of your faith. You mean I got to go through something hard and uncomfortable so that my faith can A, be exposed. The next point is going to be so that it can be built. Watch the next line. Being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see what happened there? Proverbs 17 said, like silver, like gold... But it's the Lord who tries the hearts. Proverbs 17, here Peter's saying, being much more precious than gold and or silver, though it's tested by fire. More precious than the things that we have. How do you view your walk, your faith in Christ? You may think, man, I, I really, you're kind of stepping on my toes because it's kind of non-existent right now. You know what I would say to that? Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. Our faith as a believer is the most precious thing to us, and if it's not, it needs to be. Here's why. Because there's no backup plan. If you're not, if you're not trusting in him fully, you're trusting in someone or something else. And it's probably yourself, which is weak sauce. Anyways, this test isn't for God. He already knows. He already knows. He knows your life plan. He knows how your life's even going to turn out. The test is for you. Your faith is more valuable than that gold that we've talked about. Since your faith is that valuable? Look in verse 7, that it may be, uh, that though it is tested by fire, first part of that, he says, your faith is more precious. Now, God's saying your faith is that precious. Don't you want to know how strong it is? I bet you look at your 401k portfolio and see how strong it is, don't we? We look at the, our home equity when the market goes up and we look at our house like, ooh, the value of my house just went up. So does your property tax. But the, my value of my house just went up. We look at those things to see how strong they are. We want to see what our financial future, how strong it is. Is that not comparable to gold in principle? Is that not comparable? We need that 
that, that a faith portfolio to know where our faith is or how strong it is or isn't. Another reason why believers or Christians have these things in their life, this is a hard one to hear, it's to humble us. It's to humble you. The greater the blessing, the more Satan seems to tempt us to look at these blessings as our accomplishments. Look what I did. Look what I built. Satan wants you to be overly proud and haughty. That's what he wants. That's how he is. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you're, I would invite you to turn there if you uh, have been here any length of time and we talk about these hardships. Um, you probably should know that, that 2 Corinthians 12 is going to come up. It's a very familiar portion of scripture about Paul. But you know, just to give you a glimpse of hardships and how members of our church are going through things. And again, you don't know the whole story. I, I would uh, share this with you as you're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Carl and I was able to visit with Artemia Henderson on Wednesday. Well, what had happened, she had uh, a procedure done on her foot and she was in her house and tripped and fell and kind of landed face first and uh, scraped her lip really badly, chipped some teeth there. But you know, her spirit was um, amazing. 92 years old, I think she'll be this September. And um, she was worried about her hair. Here, I said hair, did you hear that? She's, she's from Tennessee. Speaking of Tennessee, my niece is visiting with me from Tennessee, back sitting back there. We're always, you hear me talk about her a lot. And um, so there she is. But Artemia Henderson, at where she is, and, and, and she, she fell, and, and Carl and I was visiting with her, and we wanted so badly to, we don't know how to, how do you, what do we do here? And, uh, but boy, when she left, she said, she said it just like this, I love Ewan's. The way she said that, um, we were supposed to go there to bless her or encourage her or do something. We weren't sure how, how do you do. You never know what you're walking into. I left with the biggest, I'll never forget the way she said that. And there she had a little messed up lip. It was a special moment. And she was talking about the future, what it could hold for her. And then now, yesterday, we get the prayer request, a Friday, that she went into the hospital just with some potential breathing and heart issues. Be in prayer for Artemia. You know, with all these things that happened with her, she never, never once even mentioned or said the statement of why. She never did. The greater the blessing, the more Satan will tempt us to look on them as our accomplishments. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 is what I want you to look at. Again, we're speaking very matter-of-factly this morning. It says, and at least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. Paul's saying, hey, I've seen some stuff that y'all haven't seen yet. Six times he's had these revelations from God. The, um, that he was able to reveal to people. 
And many, many times after a servant of the Lord would experience a mountaintop uh, event or an experience, the Lord allowed them to experience a trial. You see it over and again. Why? The question's why. So they don't get to take credit for what God has done. There's one. Number two, there's no formula to make God move. We tend to think that if I do what I did last time, I, I, God will do my bidding or God will do, we can watch God. There's no formula to make God move. Think about that. Is he, is he a sovereign God? Is he, is he in control? Is he the creator and sustainer of the universe? And we think we can manipulate him to get him to do anything? That's not the God we serve. Well, Paul has, was in that spot where he um, was getting a lot of accolades. He was getting a lot of persecution as well. Uh, uh, very much an unbalanced life. But life is, was lived in the valleys and the journey, not just in the mountaintops. So there was Paul. He had seen things that we have not seen. And he was sharing them. And he says in verse 12 that, uh, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Given by who? The verse goes on to say, a messenger from Satan to Buffet, which means to beat me, lest I be exalted above measure. The thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan. You've heard this scripture. If you've been a member of our church at any length of time, some of you have maybe never heard this scripture, or there's others that haven't really given it a whole lot of thought. This was sent to Paul to keep him humble. As with Job, remember that guy Job in the Bible, Satan was the immediate cause, but God was the ultimate cause. You think, well, Pastor, it sounds like God, it sounds like Satan gets the blame when God's really controlling things. God has never sinned. But when we see these things happen, God is allowing with borders. The devil is God's devil. He still only, he still only has the boundaries of what's allowed by our Lord. It's important to be a child of God today because he sets the boundaries. Because of the language, this was probably a person doing Satan's work, not a physical illness. Some would say it's a physical illness that uh, uh, got to Paul there a, a little bit. I'm not, had that locked down. But this thorn in the flesh was discrediting Paul. It was discrediting him. It was hurting and ultimately hurting the church. How many of you know that you can be hurt physically, but you can also can be hurt in your heart? I think being hurt in our heart sometimes is more damaging than being hurt physically. Words, simple words, accusations, or even lies can hurt more than having an illness. Damaging, very, very damaging. Well, Paul finds himself in that spot, and why is that? Look, look at what he says. The very last part of that says, lest I be exalted above measure. This is painful, but it's purposeful. Painful, but purposeful. Paul had been to heaven and back. Look in verse 3, chapter 12, verse 3 of, of 2 Corinthians. 
And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of body, I do not know God knows. Paul <laughs> had been to heaven and back. Boy, is that not an avenue for pride? I saw something you didn't get to see. Let me tell you about God because I've been there. That's a, that, that is a perfect setup for pride. It was knocking on Paul's heart's door. You know, churches need to be humble too, don't they? If God sent someone to test or to trial the church and Paul in 2 Corinthians, why wouldn't he do it today? God wants a pure church, not a big one. Let me give you at least one um, correct response. So how do we respond? And we can keep setting up bad scenarios and trials and then in, in our minds and in our hearts, perhaps we're comparing like what I'm going through versus the people of the Bible or even what other people are going through. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Keep pursuing God and watch because he's always up to something in the believer's life. You've only heard me say that like a thousand times. But you know what? I've heard that echoed back to me more in the last year, 2020, probably than I've given it out over the last 15 years here. God is always up to something. That's Bible stuff, Eric. That's Bible stuff. What's the correct response when things come our way? Things that we aren't looking for. Things that we do not desire. And listen, don't... <laughs> I can't promise you how I'm going to act and react or how Pastor Roger... We don't, we don't have these things shored up in our life. What we have, though, is the Word of God. Turn to the book of James. Turn in the book of James. We'll probably look at James and probably touch Hebrews here for a minute. What's the proper response? <laughs> here comes that crazy verse, James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren. He's writing, by the way, to believers that were scattered about. They were scattered about. Some of them were scattered for persecution reason, not because of their heritage, but because of their faith. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into these things. I want them over. And he says, count them all joy. You know, we all, I think, have this same commonality. We don't like pain. Count it all joy is what Jesus' half-brother James says here when you fall into various trials. Let's just take that verse and dissect it for a minute. Count. That means evaluate, consider, think about what, where you're at and what God is up to. It is just not our default setting of mankind to evaluate when something like this happens. Our default setting is to cry and whine. Make a conscious effort to be aware of what is happening. The word trials means troubles that, that, that cause an interruption in the happiness of one's life. 
Think about that happiness of our own life. Why? We set up what we think happiness is. When he has happiness. He has holiness. I don't know if you know this, but happiness and holiness really go hand in hand. Did you know that? God would rather you be holy than happy. Happy you can manipulate. Holy is a work from the inside out that only God can do. Well, the word joy, count it all joy. Joy is more than an act. It's not, it's not just your will, not your feelings. It is a disposition of the heart. So our, uh, the quick reaction is, God, I don't know what you're up to. Ready? But I don't want to miss it. I look at across the room and we have a, a wide range of age in here. Usually people with more life, life uh, longevity have more life experiences. That's code for your old and we go through more stuff. We've seen more. You've felt more. You, many of you have been through things that I've, I've never dealt with. Many of you have had to bury your own children. That's not how we draw life up. Many of you have had to say goodbye to people that um, you're not going to see in this side of eternity. And then there's young people in here that are looking ahead and they're looking and going, my life is great. I'm young. I got these old people. They make life so hard. This message today is for that whole broad span of people in here. It's for those that need to have that, that reminder of the scripture, the salve of the scripture that goes onto your heart that goes, you know what, this is hard, but I forgot. Pastor, thanks for reminding me. I forgot that God is up to something. I forgot that. Or you may be the, the younger on the younger end in here, and you're thinking, I don't know what the future holds, but I'm great, and life's going to be great, and it all can change like that. You need to be prepared. You need to be ready. You need to have a faith. Sneak back a couple pages in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. Kind of the, the hall of faith is this portion of Scripture. I want you to look at something about Moses here. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, 24, 25, and 26. I actually will put a little infomercial in here that um, on... Uh, Easter Sunday, actually it would be the Saturday before. Um, thumbing through TV, and guess what was on? The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. And uh, man, it took me back. It took me back to being a, a little guy. But I, uh, I, I watch it periodically, year to year. I don't watch it in its entirety. I didn't watch it in its entirety this year. But man, was it a great reminder for me of the... Um, that it was at one point in time... On secular TV, they were sharing these things, Bible stories, wide open, and on a big scale. Now, I'm sure money was the motivation, not, not your spirituality. But, man, it was a good uh, reminder for me 
after I got over the being nostalgic and watching that, just a storyline, seeing it, watching it. And then when I was reviewing this scripture, it came to my mind as well. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, 25, and 26, it says, By faith, say faith, by Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. So if you remember the story, Moses being the original basket case was put away uh, because it was going to cost him his life. He was hidden for three months by his parents because they, they uh, saw he was a beautiful child. Well, what parent doesn't think your child is beautiful? They're all beautiful uh, to you. And... Um, Kind of a joke. Look at the last part of verse 23. And they were not afraid of the king's command. They weren't afraid. They were not afraid of the government. Why? Because their faith was stronger than that government. They were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, say faith. Moses, when he became of age, in verse 24, refused to be called the, child, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction. He chose it with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Moses could have sinned, not follow the Lord's command to lead Israel out of bondage and live a life of royalty. He could have chosen that. And got away with it. He choosing rather to suffer. The next phrase in there is enjoy the passing, passing of pleasures of sin. Verse 25. Being identified with God meant more to Moses. And it was more gratifying than his own personal appetites. Did you grab that? Did you grab that? His own personal, what he thought, his, he, being identified with, with the Lord was more valuable and fulfilling than what he thought he had to have or what he thought could have been there. A great example for us is this. How would you be right now if the market collapsed and, we, and you lost your house? All of a sudden you had no place to go. We'd be heartbroken. We'd be devastated. What do we do? How are we going to make it? Valid questions. Good, good questions. But Moses chose that. He chose that because he wanted to follow the Lord. Keep God first. Keep Christ first. Verse 26, faith enabled Moses to see the treasures of Egypt that they were worthless compared to eternity. Jesus Christ, when he walked this earth, he loved God and he loves, loved people. Amen. Moses chose to love God and love people. Yeah. Why? Because one second after you die, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. I think I'll conclude there this morning on this topic of suffering. I felt the need to draw the attention to it. 
as I'm looking at this year in our church body and we're thinking about how do we, we're trying to make plans and what are we, how do we, what are we doing here? How are we going to do it? This, because this scripture and the topic today also sets us up for preparation. We have no idea what the future holds, but we don't have to panic about the future either. As we think about the book of Hebrews, we're looking for hope. Anytime we meet together, we want to look to hope. And I was able to share um, this scripture on Friday at a, uh, a funeral service that I officiated. Jeff's mother had passed away and they asked me to officiate. And the scripture that I shared, I'm going to share right now, is extremely hopeful. When I read this scripture and you read it with your eyes, hopefully you'll have a smile on your face. Definitely, I hope you have one in your heart. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It's a page over in my Bible. Verse chapter 11 is there kind of for chapter 12. Talking about this great cloud of witness, all these patriarchs of our faith. Verse 2 says this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Isn't that great to know? That Jesus Christ, not the one that we only hear about or talk about on Sunday, but the one that we worship and we want to make our Lord. I heard a guy say this on the radio yesterday. That, no, Jesus is my Savior. I'm really working hard to make him my Lord. Isn't that a true statement? It's so easy to claim him as Savior because he's our fire escape. But to make him your Lord means he's in the driver's seat. He, he's the one guiding and steering and, and, and directing your life. He's my Savior. I'm working real hard to make him my Lord. I love the way that was shared. Looking up to Jesus, the author, the originator is what that means. The originator and the finisher. The Alpha and the Omega. He doesn't just get it started and say, I hope you make it. And he doesn't even get you just to, just, just to the finish line and say, come on. He finishes. When on the cross, when he said, it is finished, you know what he's talking about there, don't you? The payment for sin. If you're a believer today, he paid for your sin, past, present. I know this is hard to fathom, but also future. You may think, oh, well, good, I can do whatever I want. Nope. That's not at all what the Bible teaches. He, our payment is paid for. Now, there's hope today. There is a, the author and finisher of our faith. I believe that verse today, if you will own that verse and really think about it, it will carry you through your trial. It'll carry you through your heartache. It'll do more than carry you through it. I think it will enrich your life. Your faith will be tested. I think your faith will grow. If you understand and embrace and lean and cry out and beg him to be the author and finisher, that's who you are. Here's why. Because your identity as a believer needs to be in Jesus Christ as a child of God. Your identity is not in your occupation. Your identity can't be in who you think you want to be. Your identity can't be in uh, I'm a mom, I'm a dad, I'm a grandfather. Those things are bonuses. But that cannot be your identity. So you have a weekend hobby. 
Your identity can't be your sport. Your identity, if you own a business, your identity can't be that business. Understand who you are. When we look in the mirror of God's word, it will, it will show you who you are and also show you who you're not. You're a child of God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Guess what? Jesus Christ had to endure some suffering. Not just some, the worst of the worst. All the wrath of God was placed upon him. So whatever we think we have, and it hurts, it's not fun. You'll come hold my hand and I'll come hold yours when we're suffering. But it cannot compare to the suffering that Christ did on the cross. Who for the joy that was set before him? That was God's plan. He followed God's plan perfectly and he did it with joy while he was crying out in agony he did it with joy what is that does that make sense it's what he did i have seen with my own eyes in this room people that are going through heartache and hardship but still have that peace and joy in their life while i'm watching them balance these things out best experience extremely hard to describe Extremely hard to describe. We talk about that in Grief Share quite often. Let that be your hope for today. We covered several portions of Scripture. But the light, the absolute truth that I want you to uh, grab a hold of today is chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's who you got to grab a hold of and not let go. Let's bow for prayer for a moment. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here today. Our goal isn't to create an atmosphere. Perhaps it's, it's we, we come together as a body of believers. Hopefully we're walking with you throughout the week. And then when we come together, we give you our focused attention. We want to learn from you. There's strength in the gathering today. Bless our efforts because there's so many people in our church today. They need you. We need each other, but they, they need you. And I pray that they would not become weak in faith. We need to come alongside in every way we can in our cross-talk, dear God. May we use it to its fullest. Sometimes we're praying on the fly. Sometimes we mean to get back to those prayer requests and don't. May we use it to its fullest. That as we get those cross-talk prayer requests or announcements that we pray on the spot because that may be right when it's needed we love you and are grateful for a wide range of people in this room today may we have a smile upon our face knowing that we have the assurance of you in our life and the assurance of our salvation i lift this prayer in the name of jesus christ amen well to Night or today, I should say, at four o'clock, we are uh, our student ministries is back up and running. Awana will be meeting at four o'clock along with New Life over here, and um, they get done about five fifteen. So uh, our children's ministry is vitally important to us, 
And Pastor Rick, you'll notice he's on crutches today. He had a procedure done on his knee. Um, boy, you just can't keep him, uh, can't keep him tied down. He's, his heart is here no matter how much I try to uh, get him not to be. And be in prayer for each other. Many of you have seen the crosstalk. Uh, learn how to come alongside. We think of Debbie Wheeler this morning, Betty Ponder, who um, uh, fell. I was able to talk to Marvin the other day. And there's a lot of others that, that you're not even aware of. Be lifting each other in pr in pr up in prayer as they come across your heart. Has it been good to be in God's house today? Amen. Amen. Make sure you say greet each other. Uh, we don't do the handshake, high five, and hug anymore, but at least greet each other. Even if you're wearing your mask, smile under the mask. We'll know because your eyes will squint. All right, a little bit. But church, you are dismissed.